Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church. Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? All right, we're going to get into the Word in a little bit today, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, as Dan said, uh, my name is Greg Elliott, and uh, we welcome you and people online, too, to uh, Life Vineyard Church. And so we're at the book of James, so we're going to take a look at the book of James and this series is called Shift, Moving Our Faith to Action. If you look at this book, the book of James, it's just this packed, practical book. And Liz did a fantastic job last week of introducing the book of James. And also James, who's the uh, younger half-brother to Jesus. So he's kind of the little brother of the family. Um, and James was the, the individual that wrote this book was... Um, a, a leader in the church in Jerusalem. And so um, this church was filled with Jewish folks that believed in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And this letter was not only addressed to them, but also addressed to fellow believers that if you know the Roman Empire, um, there were times where the, the uh, Jewish people were just scattered all over the, the Roman Empire. And so James is writing this letter to them. And if you look at the context of the letter, and I, I was reading a little bit about the book of James the last couple of weeks, and you see that the book of James, if you approach it thinking there's this Jewish man that wrote this book, and they, they're kind of coming from the Old Testament, uh, thinking about the book of Psalms, the book of Proverbs, where you have all this wisdom literature that is scattered throughout Psalms and pretty much the whole book of Proverbs, and then also kind of combining that with the Beatitudes, whenever Jesus was teaching and was teaching and saying, blessed are those that, and you can fill in the blank. And so James kind of, throughout this book, you can think of it as kind of an Old Testament book of Proverbs with a New Testament flair of the Beatitudes. And so let's go ahead and start off. Let's look at James. We're, we're going to be uh, looking at the second half of the first chapter. We're going to start at James chapter 1, uh, verses 12 through 18. And it starts off, it says this, blessed is the one. So again, you're kind of thinking that Beatitudes, right? Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be kind of that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Now, so, before we dive into the passage, um, I would like to step back and talk a little bit about a literary device. 
And anyone that knows me says, Greg, you're an engineer, okay? You do not know English. You cannot spell. What are you doing talking about linguistic things and literary devices? And so I'm stretching myself here, okay? Because I, full confession, I flunked seventh grade English. And it still haunts me, and I still, sorry, Mrs. White, I can still not diagram a sentence to save my life, okay? If I was stuck in a desert, and they said you can have water if you need to diagram a sentence, I'm going to die of thirst, okay? So that's just the way I am. So, and it, you know, that, that kind of reminds me of, you know, thinking about these, these things. There's a story about a, a teacher that was an English teacher, and you know, we, we learn about these literary devices like diagramming sentences, but I, there's a story about this teacher that uh, was talking about double negatives, and the teacher was talking about a double negative. You know a double negative is, is something like, uh, the pilot can, cannot find no place to land. You have two negatives there. And the price of a car is not insignificant, so you have two negatives there. So the teacher was teaching and said, look, a double negative is a positive, but a double positive is not a negative. And there was a student in the back of the room that said, yeah, right. So, <laughs> ah, very good, okay. <laughs> so anyways, I know I, I, I went a little long until I got to my joke of the day, right? Okay, so <laughs> there's a literary definition that we even, we as engineers need to understand when we go to this passage, and, and I struggled with this passage because of this. Um, and it comes from, and it's, it's actually called a contronym, a contronym, which I had never heard of. So you've heard of a synonym, right? That's when two words have the same meaning, right? And you've heard of an antonym, that is when two words have opposite meanings, while contronym is the same word that has different meanings that are opposite. So two opposite meanings. Let me give you a couple of examples. Like oversight, and I didn't know there were so many English words like this. Um, for example, oversight, if you say um, that I'm going to have oversight of a project, it says that I'm going to be watchful and careful of that project. But it can also mean that that person messed up the project because of an oversight right? So, totally the same word, two completely opposite meanings, okay? Another one that's more recent is kind of maybe within the last 40 years, I don't know, 30, 40 years, is bad, right? So, my dog is bad, you know, when he pees on the floor, right, or something like that, or, man, that's a bad-looking car, right? You know, those two, same word, but we have a negative and a positive meaning. Well, there's a word that we're going to look at today that you really can't understand this passage unless you get it in your mind that they also had kind of this in other languages, for example, Greek. And the Greek word we're looking at here is called parazo, parazo, I'm sorry, parazo, and it can mean test or testimony on the positive side, but it can also mean temptation, the same word. So the same word kind of has a positive and a negative meaning. And so let's look at the positive side first. So on the positive side, it can mean test and trial. And Liz talked about this last week when we kind of have in verse 12, 
the beginning of that where it says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those that love Him. So, a really positive message that we can have tests in our life. And last week, taught, uh, Liz actually taught us about trials and tests um, in our life. And it, I'll just remind you of these verses. It was James 1, 2 through 4 that says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your face produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. See, the, the word test doesn't really, this, this word doesn't really put value on the cause of that test, right? Because that cause can be something good. It can be, you know, these, these things that we go through in life. It, it can be a new job, um, a new coworker, new responsibilities, a new baby, right? A positive thing, okay? A new relationship, a new promotion. You know, these are positive things, but they can really test our faith, right? Or the cause can be something negative. And, and this word isn't saying that we don't have negative things that happen in our life. The cause can be losing a job, a death, a relational separation, a divorce, an illness, violence against you. It's not saying that that's good. It's not making those things not the, the part of the world that affects us every day that's not the positive thing. But it's saying, what it's saying is that God can use these things in your life as a test. And the, the, the verse puts a value on the result of those things, whether they're good or bad, and what it produces in our life. The result can have a positive effect in our life. In the end, the test can lead to, as it says here, perseverance. That leads to maturity, that leads to a solidness, a solid, complete personality. So when the next thing comes along, you're not wavering as uh, that we talked about last week and tossed like weeds. But now we come to this literary device where we kind of have a, a negative connotation, and that's the same word is used to describe temptation. And I like how the Bible, I mean, the Bible is so neat how it, it uses a literary device, this word test and temptation. And it's kind of saying, you know, you can have circumstances in your life and the result, that same circumstance, that same word, can have a positive or negative effect in your life. It can either be a test or a trial that makes us persevere and makes us mature, but it also can be something that leads to temptation. You know, isn't it neat how God's Word uses the same word to actually look at a circumstance? Let me give you an example from the Elliot household here. And I got permission to talk about this. Okay, everyone knows Jeanette, my wife? Go ahead. Woohoo! Hi, Jeanette. Yeah, right? She's like, am I in your sermon again? I go, yeah, yeah, sorry. You know, so Jeanette, if you did not know, uh, Jeanette is an amputee, okay? So she has, one of her legs was amputated when she was 10 years old. So as a mechanical engineer, I just think these legs are cool, okay, <laughs> first. <laughs> okay, let's just get that out there, you know. But 
if you, if you ask Jeanette about that, yeah, you know, this was a tragic thing that happened when she was 10 years old. Uh, she was hit by a car, went into the hospital, uh, had an infection, and, in, infection, and they, they needed to remove the leg. Okay, so not a great thing, you know. I'm not saying that that's good, but it's funny whenever you talk to, when I talk to Jeanette and whenever she shares this to other people, she says, this is what it did to my life. Um, in her life, this meant that her grandfather and grandmother, who were believers, came to the hospital and shared with her about Jesus Christ. This means that during that time, she grew close to them to the point that she used to go and she lived in, Jeanette lived in Florida and she would go to Ohio and to a summer camp that actually she would be at and she would uh, there just grow in Jesus Christ and grow close to her mom and dad. And also, <laughs> and I had forgotten about this, this is where we also met, you know, through there at the Stoutsville Camp in Ohio. So whenever she thinks about that, you know, this amputation, there's also something there that she's like, you know, the result though, you know, God used this in my life. And we can have that. And I'm not saying that that's good, that little kids losing their limbs are good. Please do not hear that. Oh my gosh, do not hear that. I'm just saying that whenever those negative things happen, there's another side that can happen, right? And so I've kind of got three questions as we look to this passage and we consider how circumstances affect our life. Is it going to be a test? a testimony, or is it going to be a temptation? And so let's first answer just three questions here. How do things in our life become temptation leading us to sin? Well, the, the, the verse 13 actually says that. It, it says this, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and entice. Okay, so, so let's have some ground rules here. First, God is not tempting you. Okay? God is not tempting. Not, God is not like, I'm going to put this into their life and let's see them fail. You know, God's not like that. God does not want you to fail in the trials that we have as troubles come along. So he does not tempt you at all. Okay? Um, as these things come into our life. Also, all desires are not evil. This talks about evil desires and being enticed and that that's what happens during temptation. But let me say that all of your desires that you have, particularly if you're following Jesus Christ, if you've given your life over to them, not all of these desires are evil. As a matter of fact, if you look in Psalms 37.4, it says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Okay, you can read that in two ways. The one way I always read that is, wow, if I am there in tune with God, I'm going to have the same desires that God has. So our desires are not evil all the time. So why do we have evil desires then sometimes that kind of lead us down this road of temptation? And I would say there's probably many reasons, but let me give you three. I think the first one is that we forget who we are. 
you know, we forget that we are born again. I like to say new critters in Christ. You know, <laughs> we are a new critter. There is something new that happened when I asked Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life when the Holy Spirit came into my heart, there was a new critter there. And we say it's born again, sons and daughters in the family of God. Look at first, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Listen, and I'm reading this from the Amplified Version. I always like that definition, Amplified Version. I feel like I should like, say it louder, right? <laughs> but uh, you'll notice this. For, I really like how, how it does this because it really expands it. Um, I would never read the whole verse. Bible in the Amplified Version, it'd take you 10 years. But, but listen to this, because it, it really defines the words, I think, more. Uh, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is grafted in, joined to Him by faith, and Him as Savior, He is a new creature, reborn, renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition, have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Because spiritual awakening brings new life. I just love that expansion of that. You know, that we are a new creation. We have been born again once we look to Jesus Christ and put our ownership and trust in what He did in the cross. The second thing is, the second reason that I think sometimes these things turn into temptations in our lives is that we have uh, what's called, what I like to call a phantom pain. Now, um, anyone that has a friend that has lost a limb, a finger, or, or a part of their body, um, they talk about having a phantom pain. And that, that means that they feel like that leg or arm is still there. The nerve endings are still there. They still have the same mind. And so sometimes they can actually still feel their hand. And I feel like that's, that's like that for us, that we have phantom pain because we lived, and I lived, in this fleshly body called Greg that was selfish and thought I could solve everything, and I knew how to be that creature. But then Jesus Christ made me new. I was born again. I became a new creature. And so whenever I became new, sometimes I just forget. I just have that kind of phantom awareness of what I was like. Um, and it talks about this idea of putting on the new self that sometimes you just got to remember, wait, 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 that's not who I am. You know, I'm going back to who I was. No, I'm a new creature under Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, 9, and 10 says this, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self and its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its created. You know, that new self, I am just giving that up to God every day. Saying, God, renew, just cleanse me. You know, I, I'm starting to act like I did. I'm starting to think that I was back there without you. So that's the second reason. The third reason I think sometimes we withhold areas in our lives from God. I think that can really cause areas of temptation in our life. Anyone at home have the closet where it's like, it is not organized and it's time to stuff when people come over. Yeah, do you have one of those? You know, mine scares me because I think we're going to kill someone if they ever open that door. <laughs> so we kind of put ours back, you know. And I think we have those things in our hearts too. You know, some of those areas in our heart that we're saying, you know, God, uh, kind of hiding this from you. And 
who can we hide from? Where can we hide from God? You know, someone you need to forgive. A deception that you have not corrected in your life. Uh, an activity that you know is wrong, but you still keep it closed and don't offer that up to God. I think those things can lead us into temptation. And so now, the, I guess the third question is then, okay, you kind of got the idea we can have a circumstance that can lead to testing or temptation. How do I keep it from leading me into temptation and sins? And uh, friends, this is what I fear is that we don't realize that as there was this progression in test, testing, you know, it talked about a test or testimony is, uh, leads to perseverance, it leads to maturity, it leads to completeness. Uh, there's also a process for temptation. And it shows that in verse 14, it says this, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after the de desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. So as there was a process in testing, there's also a process for temptation. Now we have temptation, we have this evil desire that leads to sin. And then that sin leads to death, leads to bondage of that thing that we are tempted by. Let me give you this example, and maybe this will help you with uh, this process of temptation. So when I was back in college, I was going to graduate school, and um, we lived in Lancaster, Ohio. I drove to Ohio State University is where I got my, are there booze? No? Okay. Uh, okay, yeah. Usually I get booze for that. But <laughs> jealousy. Anyways. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, so I, I used to drive from Lancaster to Ohio State to my lab in Ohio State where I was in graduate school and did research. And, and so I drive in and there's this donut place. It's called Buckeye Dodos, man. And they had these long johns. My mouth is watering. Yeah, they had these long johns, cream filled. And they had forced parking places right by the place. So if I went early enough, I could pull in there, went in, the, the guy had it ready for me, you know. I went in, grabbed it, paid him, then came out. And man, I had this process down, right? And so the first time, it, it was funny, this thing kind of over time kind of grew like this. I mean, it started off, I'd go there every once in a while, you know, get that. And then I'd go there, you know, and oh, what should I have? Oh, I don't know, you know, and so I started like that. But then I got to the point where the guy knew my name, he had my coffee, he had everything ready, and I was there every day. And so 20 pounds later, <laughs> okay, you know, I was like, what am I doing? You know, this thing that was a little desire, a little temptation in my life, had now taken control, and I didn't even think of it. You know, it had become this habit that was in my life. And so, you know, it wasn't that I was going in there and, and even thinking, is this good for me or not? Or I was just blown by the thought process and just doing. And that's what circumstances that lead to evil desires that cause temptation and lead us down to sin can do in our lives. We can get to the point that we don't even think about what we're doing. And, and friends, um, the people that we love are in that same situation that you're in. And there's a lot of grace there because you're just in this process that you're not even thinking about what you're doing. 
And it's like, how do I get out of this? You know, what, how do I take this? You know, I'm tired of this. How do I take that? And how do I stop doing that? And, you know, we try to do that in our own strength so many times. We try to go, go uh, I just got to just stop it. Just stop it, Greg. You don't want to do that anymore. You know, don't treat that person like that anymore. You know, that's, and I keep doing it, you know. And I, I think it's interesting. Paul in, uh, in Corinthians calls this a stronghold in our life. And if you, uh, I think that's a great image that he uses. It's in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. And I'll just say, I, I mean, I have to really commend uh, Beth, Beth Moore. If you've ever listened to her stuff, she's got great stuff on breaking strongholds. I think she is fantastic as far as an application teacher, man. She just really kicks it with this stuff. And, and this verse comes out of this idea of seeing a stronghold. And listen to what it says. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the word world on the contrary they have divine power to demolish strongholds we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of god and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to christ you know i love this explanation of what happens when we have a stronghold in our life basically we have then a pretension what a pretension is, is a thought that we place above God's thought. So we have this idea in our mind of our behavior, of how we are affected by a circumstance, and then there's what God's saying about that. And when we have a pretension, it means that we are putting our thoughts above God's thoughts. You know, and what's it say to do here? You know, at any time of this process of temptation, we can get off the train. And what's the thing it's saying to do here? It says, take that thought and put it at the feet of Jesus Christ. Say, what do you think about this? You know, and, you know let's, let the, let's let the Holy Spirit meddle here a little bit, okay? In our heart. You know, do you have something that you're just like always struggling with? Um, maybe it's a thought about another individual. Maybe it's a thought about a spouse that when they do something, you always go to that anger or that just being quiet or that running away and getting into a different room. And you have that response and it, instead of going to your spouse and saying, you know, that really... You know, it hurt me a little while ago when you did that. You know, that's something that I did. You know, I, the, the number of arguments I have in my mind with Jeanette, <laughs> you know, and, you know, fortunately I've gotten to the point where I've just said, Jesus, you know, this, this just didn't right. I shouldn't do this. Let me tell you one that just happened. So I have, I have tools, right? If you've ever been to my garage, I have tools, all right? I, and I have four of everything, <laughs> right? And so every once in a while, Jeanette will use a tool, and it's not in my perfect place in my toolbox, right? And so I think in my mind, I'm just going to go tell her that, you know, you know and, I, and then I have this argument that goes on. Oh, right, you won, right? <laughs> and then I take that to Jesus. I say, Jesus, what do you think about that? And do you know what I hear? 
Uh, do you ever think about all the things she does for you? Do you ever think about the ways that she makes your outside just look beautiful with the flowers? Do you ever think about the things she does for you? Boy, all of a sudden, I don't want to go at her, right? I mean, that's truth. That's just, and, and those pliers are still sitting outside, by the way, Jeanette. So. <laughs> the, uh, but that's just what I, that's what I just deal with. I mean, I do. And I, you know, if I can just get to the point where I take those ideas that I have and say, say, Lord, you know, what do you think about, what do you think about me doing? Man, I'll tell you, you want to, you want to say something out loud, loud to Jesus like you say it to a friend like we'll go to friends and we'll say can you believe that they did that to me I just can't believe and so you know because of that I'm just going to treat them like this you know I dare you to bring that to Jesus Christ and say those exact same words man you will not make it through that sentence you just don't I mean I get halfway and I'm like okay got it Lord (laughs) yeah got it you know and so whenever I look at strongholds uh, you know, there is something that's going to have to happen that's outside of me. You know, I wish I could give you, these are the 10 things you need to get rid of st- strongholds, you know. You know, there needs to be a work in our hearts sometimes. Because, man, these things are hard. And sometimes we don't even know that we're doing them. So, if you've ever, ever just had this sin that you're returning to, had this thing that always tempts you, you know, I just ask you just once, just say, Jesus, how do you feel about what I'm about to do? How do you feel about that? Just right before you do those things or think about those things. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for this passage and uh, just really am so encouraged how you use the Word of God that these things can come into our life and they can be a testimony and they can be a temptation. And you want to build us up through those things. You want us to be persevered whenever we have troubles that come into our life against us. You want to create those things that give us maturity and a solidness in you. And Father God, oh, thank you so much that you are there to forgive each and time that one of those things goes into a temptation and goes down the road of sin and even strongholds. Father God, I pray today, I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit that if there are things that are in people's lives that they're dealing with right now, that you will be there and that you are actually going to be the one that comes in, not to only point out, but to also give the grace of forgiveness that you give. Father God, would you heal our lives of those things today? And Lord, we're going to worship you. We're going to enjoy worship with you now. And so I just pray that you would take this and as we worship that you would be speaking to our hearts the whole time. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. At Life Vineyard Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God. We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, go to lifevineyard.org lifevineyard.org Oh hey, you're still here. You're you're like one of my favorite people.
the, the kind of person that like sticks around after church while everybody else has left. Like you're still one of the last ones talking. You're like the podcast version of that person. And while I have you here, uh, if you didn't know, this is Pastor Dan. Uh, while I have you here, I just want to say, hey, if you don't have a church home, we would love for you to come to life if you're in the central Illinois area. If you're listening to this outside of central Illinois, go find a vineyard church. Vineyard churches are amazing places. Go find one near you. And if you're not near a vineyard church, then uh, just find a church, a community of believers that you can be involved with, be in community with. I think we are our best spiritual selves when we are in community with other people who are following Jesus. That's what the church is for. So we hope to see you here. And if not here, go find a community of believers that you can get involved with this week. All right. Thanks for listening. See you later.